Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murray, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here in the 2023 NBA playoffs on Dime Dropper, live from Los Angeles. Before we get started, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod, and subscribe on YouTube to Dime Dropper for the latest LA basketball, LA sports, well, mainly LA basketball, and NBA and NBA history content live basically after every single night of playoff basketball. Unfortunately, I still did not get to watch Nuggets Suns game four. So apologies. I will have to wait on that one and maybe either do a short about it tomorrow or just tie it into my game five recap and obviously the game five Sixers Celtics recap. So for tonight, we're going to leave it at two games. And I think there's just about enough of there's just enough to talk about with this, just those two games, especially the main event, Lakers-Warriors Game 4, and then the Knicks-Heat Game 4. As I know and see, I expect a lot of Laker fans to be coming in tonight and watching this video. Shout out to everybody in the live, wherever you may be. I know the Lake, my Laker fans are going to just flood this one, but... Huge win for the Lakers. Defending home court. They are now 5-0 at the Staples Center of the Crypto.com Arena in these playoffs. So shout out to the Laker fans in attendance, but also the team. A classic on our hands in this one. AD, LeBron, Steph Curry playing at a high level. But you know, before I really dig into it, I have to say, tonight felt like the Warriors had one star. And the Lakers had two, if I'm being real. And you know what? It might just be fitting for Steph Curry to be playing LeBron and finally feel like he doesn't have the better teammates. They always say what goes around comes around, but there's still a series to be played. It's still three to one, and it's first to four, not first to three. But let's get into this one. What a fascinating series this has been. Just a complete chess match all the way around with each coach making adjustments each game. How about the big one? Gary Payton II starting in place of Jamichael Green. And immediately when he started, Anthony Davis was guarding him. LeBron was guarding Draymond. You started to see this, the Warriors go back to the strategy that you saw in Game 2, which was to put Anthony Davis in that pick and roll with Steph Curry high behind the three-point line. He would come out and Steph... Again, just like game two, was doing a good job manipulating it, snaking it, trying to hesitate, trying to attack Anthony Davis in that high drop. So now he's manipulating the defense. And it was the same thing you saw in game two. So yes, a big part of it is how much AD is showing in the point of attack um, 
for the Lakers as well, chasing Steph Curry over screens. Like, who's chasing over screens? And AD stepping up and having active hands. That, of course, makes a difference, your actual pick-and-roll defense. But part of it is also just Stephen Curry being aggressive in that pick-and-roll. When he wants to get shifty-nifty, he wants to put some pressure on AD, get him on his heels, get him off balance, he starts to manipulate all sorts of defenses. Because remember, these guys facing up, when he's facing up, they're not really allowed to put hands on him like that. Most of Steph Curry's fouls that go uncalled are off the ball or him at the rim. And by the way, the officials, I don't want to hear anything about that shit tonight. If anything, I thought the Warriors for stretches of the game were getting the benefit of the call. And in the end, it was it felt neutral to me. But the Warriors were getting really good stuff early off that Gary Payton and Steph Curry high pick and roll. GP2, unlike Draymond, gives them a threat downhill of potentially being able to rise up and dunk on you. He's an athlete going downhill. He made some nice passes. And when you bring Anthony Davis out, LeBron James is now your last line of defense. And in the first half, his rim protection, his defense was pretty non-existent. A couple times where he was could have contested Wiggins at the rim and he just kind of watched, bid on fakes. It was not a good half for LeBron defensively. But he was being a little bit more aggressive offensively. Even got to a little Magic Johnson hook shot at one point and you started to see him catch the ball in the post a little bit early and I think the reason why Steve Kerr started GP2 was not just because of the pick and roll and having an athlete in that role spot instead of Draymond it was a lot of a big reason I think was to guard D'Lo and look that worked D'Angelo Russell struggled all night and I wrote GP disappears in here oh yeah Gary Payton, midway through the first quarter, I actually took notes for this one, if you're referencing why I just said that, but GP disappeared in the middle of a play, went to the locker room. I don't remember if they ever explained what happened. If if they did, can you please tell me in the comments? Because I don't remember what happened. He just randomly disappeared and Jermichael Green came in. But both teams were really missing shots in the first quarter. But one thing you could tell right off the bat from the Warriors is that their defensive intensity was night and day from Game 3. They were really physical to start. You had Clay on Reeves, Draymond on AD, and even Steph. You know, he had to guard LeBron and D'Lo on some post-ups in that first quarter, and they were all physical. So the Warriors were not backing down. You could see that they were playing with a sense of desperation. And LeBron, to counter that, was a little bit more aggressive to start. AD had, I believe, 12 shot attempts in the first half, only four for the rest of the game. So, Laker fans, let me know what you think of that. It was enough to get over the finish line in this one, but will it be later in the playoffs? Who knows? But the Warrior bench came in at a point of that first quarter, and Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo were kind of stinking it up especially Jordan Poole. DiVincenzo actually finally made a three. The Warriors needed to see that from him, and he needed to see that go in. But a couple of times, the Warriors were just passing up layups, whether Anthony Davis was in or not. There were times where they wouldn't even look at going at Anthony Davis or shooting shots around him in that first quarter, but there were other times where AD even went out of the game briefly, randomly in that first, and he was really upset about it. It was a slightly different substitution pattern. We've seen Anthony Davis play most of the first and third quarters, get a little bit of a break in that beginning of the fourth, and then come back in, but in this one, he came out for like two minutes in that first quarter, and he was pissed about it. But he came right back in. And LeBron and AD, they got really short rests in this game. Like, really short rests. They played 43 minutes each, respectively. So, going all in. You saw Steph Curry play 42 minutes. This was a game 
for the Stars. It truly was. But Jordan Poole, you know, I talked about DiVincenzo not pa- uh, passing up a wide-open layup under the rim for a three, which was disgraceful. Jordan Poole was in transition, didn't look to go up, and he just looks like a player who has lost all his confidence. All his confidence. And obviously, defensively, he's not going to give much. At least DiVincenzo is going to go for offensive rebounds and try to play good defense. So much so that he twice knocked the ball away from his own teammates going up for rebounds. So DiVincenzo, he's just trying hard to make some sort of impact because he hasn't been playing well. But Jordan Poole, I mean, Jesus Christ. This guy has not been able to hit anything. A lot of bad shots. Shots where he can take a couple dribbles in and he's settling. It's just really tough to watch from Jordan Poole. Really tough to watch. Taking really tough shots. Playing out of control. And just playing with no confidence. Just no confidence. But that was the end of the first quarter. The Lakers won it 22-21. to So pretty low scoring. In the second quarter, you started to see the dubs start to get in their bag a little bit more. Draymond had a really good start to the second quarter, and I feel as though Draymond is the X factor for this team when offensively. When he's looking to score, being assertive, dribbling and moving with a purpose on the offensive end of the floor, not just in transition, it changes everything about the Warriors' offense. But a lot of times when he's not looking at the basket at all and just dribbling to pass or moving to pass, it just doesn't keep the defense honest. And you got guys like LeBron, like Anthony Davis, smart defenders, smart players that can cover ground. You're not going to be able to get away with it all the time, especially when Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson are not playing well. But Draymond, in the beginning of that second quarter, he had some nice moves. I mean, some nice passes, some good reads. There was one behind the back he had where he kind of faked the handoff. Looking like Baron Davis on that one from Draymond. And the Laker players were forcing things a bit. I think the Warriors' physicality was getting to them a bit. LeBron was taking a bunch of jump shots. Austin Reeves wasn't hitting. D'Lo wasn't hitting. But I will say this. when With all the talk about Anthony Davis and playing two good games in a row, he did play two good games in a row. He wasn't amazing, but he was very good. And in the first half, he had 19 points when other Lakers weren't that great. It was really just LeBron and Anthony Davis shooting the ball well. Like, Rui wasn't really playing much. And at Laker fans, I want you to tell me, do you think Rui's been so bad defensively that that Darvin Ham, like, the, the few minutes that he's been given, let's see how many minutes he played in this game. 14 minutes. You think that's justified? I mean, Vanderbilt's only getting 11. Like, he's really shrinking the rotation, and you probably need more guards in this series. So I think he's honestly making the right choice because last series, Rui Hachimura was a beast, but you're playing against more of front court players. This is really all backcourt, and that's really another big issue with the Warriors is their front court does not score enough. But in that second quarter, you started to see a little bit more of Curry in that pick and roll, and their strategy was to get LeBron switched on to Curry and then put AD in the pick and roll. Because they know LeBron's not great in the point of attack. And now you're removing both of the guys that can actually protect the rim. Because Vanderbilt's out of the game because he's not hitting shots. Now you have Schroeder, Reeves, and either Lonnie Walker or D'Angelo Russell on the back line. So that's going to be easy pickings for the Warriors. For guys like Wiggins, guys like Draymond, even Looney. Who This hasn't been a Looney series. The Warriors want to play with space. 
He's only played he only played 11 minutes in this game. You're going to see a lot of guards. The Warriors went 10 deep, but they really went 9 deep. Jermichael Green only played 2 minutes. Looney, DiVincenzo, Poole, and Moody were all in double digits in the minutes category. No Kaminga yet again. Lakers 9 deep, but Wenyan Gabriel only played 2 minutes, so really 8 deep. Curry absolutely cooking, though, in that pick and roll. I mean, amazing passes, cross-court, dump-offs to baseline cutters, passes behind him, passes with the left hand. I've always said Steph Curry, I think, is a better passer with his offhand than his strong hand. Um, but as I said, AD was keeping the Lakers in it offensively in the post, being aggressive, hitting some shots in the mid-range, falling away to his right, taking contact. The dubs were up three at the half. And to be honest, I actually felt better if I were Golden State at halftime than the Lakers. I don't know why I felt that way. I just felt like it was a mucked up game, physical. And even though that seems to favor the Lakers, I just felt like Steph was in more rhythm than AD and LeBron. And I just don't trust AD closing games after dominating for like the whole stretch offensively. He doesn't seem to have the stamina to dominate the entire game offensively and defensively. Because look, he was being pulled away from the basket. But that being said, nobody can guard Steph Curry in space. Nobody. And drop coverage is very risky. That high drop is the best way to go. And Anthony Davis does as well as you can. Steph Curry is just an all-time great player with the exceptional ability to manipulate defenses. And you saw in this game just the true greatness of Steph Curry's handle. I mean, the way he gets low to the ground, changes pace, changes speeds, throws in hesitations in there. He gets you off balance. He gets you jumping for joy. He is so good at splitting defenses, rejecting screens. It. I had a realization in the middle of the game. It's not just about how the Lakers defend. It's about Steph Curry and how much he wants to control the game on the ball versus off and how aggressive he's being with the handle, attacking whoever that drop defender is in the pick and roll, whether it's LeBron or AD or just guys one-on-one. But let's keep talking about that third quarter. The dubs threw the first punch. Klay Thompson finally hit a shot. And mind you, what this on-ball Steph does Shout out to my man Dre at On Ball Steph that helped preview the Warriors King series with us. But Steph Curry on the ball more, it takes other guys out of rhythm. Guys like Clay, who get so many shots off off ball actions and split actions and moving without the ball, those guys may not touch the ball for so long. And that's why I'm always pro ball movement. But the thing is, the Warrior players are just not showing reliability on the ball. And a big reason for that is Jordan Poole's drop-off this season. It's very tough. But let's just keep going. The Dubs threw the first punch. They went up by eight points. Lakers called a timeout, responded with a 10-0 run, and it was led by two guys, LeBron Palmer and Austin Reeves. First, Austin Reeves with the mid-range and drop coverage. Then LeBron hit a corner three. And then he cut to the basket off a pass from Reeves. And then LeBron returned the favor on an Austin Reeves corner three. Warriors went cold in that stretch. Steph, Clay, you name it. LeBron showing a little bit of that extra gear. You started to see him get a little bit tired at the end of that first half. Especially with the Warriors putting him in the action a lot defensively. But you know with LeBron... He has been very strategic about the way he's exerted himself in this playoff run, knowing his limitations at this age physically. But then the Warriors called timeout. 
and responded with more Steph pick and roll. Amazing passes. He also was switching on to guys like LeBron and holding his own defensively. Took a couple of charges. Had good moments one-on-one in those first three quarters. Notice I said the first three quarters. And was taking advantage, by the way, of hiding on Vanderbilt defensively, who was just bad offensively. And defensively, this has not been the series for Vando. He just can't guard Curry. Curry's just too quick, too shifty, too nifty. It's more of a series for a Dennis Schroeder and uh, Lonnie Walker. Don't worry. He'll get his flowers later. But GP2, I have to say, great adjustment from Steve Kerr. He was really good in that role. Defensively, you know what he's going to bring. It didn't feel like he was guarding certain guys one-on-one too much because the Lakers aren't really going to go at him in the action. It was mostly going at guys like Steph, Clay, and Wiggins. And I have to say, in my opinion, Clay was honestly the worst defender for the Warriors in that starting lineup. Steph at least had some good moments defensively. I don't remember too many for Clay. And he's really dropped off on that end of the floor. That's what you don't notice until you start watching him consistently. Because the stats offensively, they look exactly the same. True shooting, his PPG as 2019. Salute to him with the serious injuries that he had, tearing his ACL and Achilles. But defensively, he doesn't have the same lateral ability. And he used to get away with major hand-checking, by the way, in the finals against Kyrie. But you still have to be able to move laterally even with hand-checking. He's trying the hand check now, but he can't move. So, But in this third quarter stretch, the Warriors responded to that 10-0 run. LeBron missed an open mid-range, then bricked a three off just a one-pass possession. Bad shot. Then he lost the ball on a cut and didn't get back. GP2 hit a three and finished a lob in that stretch. And Darvin Ham took a timeout with the Warriors up by nine. I believe it was 68-59. Just absolute brilliance from Curry. And at this point... It was just, you know, you could see the stretches from LeBron. He had good stretches, and then he'd have other stretches where he'd be breathing so heavily. I didn't know what he had left in the tank. I truly didn't. But I also was telling my dad, who was saying he looks tired, I'm like, you just never know. One stretch of rest for LeBron, and he could come back with a little bit of energy. Now, I didn't expect it to be that little of a stretch of rest. He basically was out for one possession, and he was like, yeah, give me the fuck back in the game. <laughs> I love to see that. And you, I just love to see the stars and the power that they have in the playoffs. And for people that love to blame coaches for everything to see how much power the Stars actually have, especially in today's player empowerment NBA. Steph Curry on the ball. You can see the decisions he makes on the court. LeBron with his minutes. You can see it. Jimmy Butler's command of give me the fucking ball and get out of my way. Giannis waving off Budenholzer's plays in the fourth quarter of Game 5. You can just see the Stars taking over and taking matters into their own hands. But the Warriors, when they went up by 12 on five straight Wiggins points, a three over AD, and a bucket in transition, they went up by 12. LeBron and AD started bitching for calls. And Moody came in and had a really solid impact. Active, had a steal, hit a three, just really solid defense as well. He has shown to be a pretty reliable player in this series. To me, he's been better than DiVincenzo and Jordan Poole. But the Lakers responded and stopped the bleeding when they were down 12. And mind you, when they were down 12, I thought the Warriors had this. I really did. But the Lakers responded with AD on the bench. And it was LeBron starting to be used as the screener a little bit and also more as the pick-and-roll ball handler unless as a spot-up guy. And you start to see him try to put Curry in the action and getting some decent looks. Dennis Schroeder ended up having six points in that third quarter. But on the other end, Steph Curry was just showing an unbelievable array of passing and playmaking 
attacking that high drop. Whoever it was, whether it was Rui, whether it was LeBron, he was turning the corners so fast, getting to the basket, making plays. His finishing package and the touch he uses off the glass is unbelievable. His handle was on full display, and he even threw a pass like he was Magic Johnson, a little behind the back. I mean, just amazing stuff from Steph Curry to end the third quarter. And LeBron bricked two straight threes to end the quarter and was looking gassed yet again in slow on D after another good stretch. So it was just a game of runs to the highest degree. DiVincenzo also hit his second three of the game late in that third quarter. Let me see what he shot from three. Two for four. So pretty good shooting game for DiVincenzo. I actually think he was solid, but he still made some boneheaded plays including an inbounds pass that totally changed momentum now that I think about it. I'm so happy I remembered this. Ridiculous inbounds pass that changed momentum. I don't. I think it was late in the third quarter. Taking the ball out of bounds, Steph was not looking at him, and it was not Steph's fault. One second, if he had waited, Steph would have looked at him and gotten the ball. Absolutely stupid from a player that I think or I thought had a much higher basketball IQ than that. But in the third quarter, the Warriors outscored the Lakers 32-28. to They went in to the fourth quarter with an, with an 84 to... Nah, was it 84? Yeah, 84 to 77. Yeah, 84 to 77 lead going into the fourth quarter. And man, you got to give the Laker defense credit in that fourth, only holding the Warriors to 17 points. And in the fourth, LeBron and AD, I believe they played the whole thing. They may have gotten a very, very short rest, maybe 30 seconds or a minute, but they started off that fourth quarter aggressive. LeBron took some contact, hit this fall away, one legged shot going to his left. Actually, I don't know if it was one legged, but. Took the bump, made a fallaway going to his left. AD hit a jump hook in the in the corner. That was his second to last shot of the game, by the way. And tied the game at 84, but it all starts in the defensive end. And one thing you started to see the Lakers do was switch more. Honestly, considering the Warriors have no post players and are not playing Looney much, so you're not getting killed on the glass, I'm surprised the Lakers aren't switching more. Because... AD being switched on to Steph Curry as opposed to in that high drop. It's not a terrible alternative. At least that way he's ready to switch on to him. And you force Steph Curry to play isolation more, maybe pound the ball more. Because the major issue is the glass if you switch that. But I think given the Lakers' size at the guard position, like besides Schroeder, who's a smaller guard, D'Lo's like 6'5". You've got Lonnie Walker, who's really athletic. I think they can afford to switch. And you started to see that later. And LeBron, there were some good moments defensively where he was ready to switch on to Steph Curry and he was ready to move his feet. There was even one where he got blown by, but he blocked him from behind. And I just started to see the body language. I've been watching LeBron so long now. I always say I have a PhD in Bron's career. And I know with his body language when he's engaged defensively. And he started to be for those stretches in the fourth quarter. AD some really good one-on-one moments, and LeBron started attacking Steph in the pick-and-roll on the other end. So in this game, to me, you saw the great, the good and bad of Steph Curry. It was an amazing offensive display. You got a little bit of everything. 
He is an improved defender. He had his good moments defensively. But ultimately, you are going to try to attack him in pick and roll to get good looks. And that is a weakness. It is a weakness. And you have the dilemma. The Warrior players, the role players, are not playing well at all. If you give them the ball in terms of running the motion offense and try to look to get them open shots, then you're leaving them at risk of making mistakes and Curry not getting the ball enough, initiating enough. Like Stan Van Gundy, he was very pro, just get the ball to Curry every single time down and do pick and roll. But the problem is, one, it's redundant, even though it's hard to stop. But two, this guy is going to get tired. They're also attacking him on the other end. You have to see that. And a couple of times, Steph got, a, like, I remember it was a back cut in that fourth quarter off the ball on the split action where he scored. Klay Thompson got a look late in the game off the ball. So mixing it up wasn't horrendous for them. They still got some pretty good looks. They can't just do it every single play. He's going to get tired. And let me just, you know, spoiler alert, he did get tired. But I've yet to mention the man that changed everything, the savior It will all come down to this. This game will be remembered as the Lonnie Walker game. Lonnie Walker stepped up to the plate when the Lakers needed him most. When Steph was being put in that pick and roll, he popped out for three. He hit a fall away going to his left coming over a screen. He hit a floater in pick and roll as the ball handler. He chased down a loose ball and scored. And his defense was pretty solid as well. Lonnie Walker with 15 points in the fourth quarter on the biggest stage. There was one play where he got Steph switched on to him. LeBron trusted him. He pulled up in his face. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But honestly, I could because Lonnie Walker is one of those microwave kind of guys. And on the other end, it just felt like so much pressure on Steph Curry to score every time down. Draymond wasn't looking at the basket anymore. Gary Payton didn't even play the last 10 minutes of the game, which let me know what you think, Warriors fans. He was playing well and he shot well, but there were times where he wasn't looking at the basket. And I think Steve Kerr liked that Moody was looking at the basket. Moody didn't miss, but it just felt like Steph... He was working hard to score. Lakers were switching and making him go one-on-one and try to get the matchup that he wanted. Usually he was trying to get Reeves or Schroeder or AD. But AD wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't a pushover. To me, he's the best defender in the league. So it's not going to be easy for Steph. And he missed a couple of floaters. You know, he still finds a way to create space and move off the ball enough to get downhill and get good shots. But he's shooting every time down. I love that he emptied the clip. But he missed some easy shots, a couple of floaters. And Clay wasn't doing anything really. Like he, Steph on the ball, they stay home on Clay. They'd rather other guys shoot. And he kind of gets taken out of the game. We'll say this though the one other player besides Moody I think was really good was Wiggins. He was working really, really hard. Another thing you started to see the Lakers do late was put Steph Curry in the action. With LeBron as the screener. So Lonnie Walker as the ball handler. And when they switched Stefan to LeBron going downhill, that's a problem. There was one time when they were down by three, 99-96. LeBron James gets fouled 
on an offensive rebound. Goes to the line and makes it a one-point game. Give it shout-out to LeBron. Four huge free throws in the fourth. It's been a big weakness of his his whole career, and he came up clutch. And to be honest, LeBron has had a lot of moments of clutch free throws in his career that we don't give him credit for, but he made it a one-point game, and then Clay took two threes. The first one wasn't a bad shot from my memory. They still got a stop. Actually, no, they didn't. Lonnie Walker hit the pull-up to give the Lakers the lead. But the next shot, so selfish on Clay's part. Gotta look to give Steph the ball back there. Down by one, you just missed. Such a rush shot. Gotta know your role. Huge miss there. And then again, switching Steph Curry on to LeBron. LeBron got fouled, made both again. Put the Lakers up three. Steph was able to get to the basket and answer with a layup. I mean, he just wouldn't give up. Beautiful finish. One-point game. Great defensive possession for the Warriors. And by the way, Wiggins' defense was just so good. LeBron needed to get him switched off him because he could not score on him. But LeBron missed a three. The Warriors got a big rebound. And then we had the big possession. Steph Curry got Anthony Davis switched on to him. LeBron and AD were very comfortable switching that action. And what a job by Anthony Davis. This is why he's the best defender in basketball. The best drop defender, I think, in the league. He can literally switch one through five. There's no tougher one in the league probably to guard on an island than Steph Curry. And in my opinion, Steph Curry not going to the basket is for one of two reasons. Either he's tired and just doesn't have the legs to go to the basket. He just wants to create space to get that jumper off because he still is Steph and he's the best jump shooter of all time. Or, or and maybe, he thinks if he blows by AD, he's getting pinned from behind. Which is not out of the realm of possibilities, considering he just got blocked from behind by LeBron. But that being said, he scored a couple of layups after that and shots at the rim. But they were mainly on the move or when he went away from the screen. Not one-on-one just blowing past AD or LeBron like that. So, it's very possible he he thought he was going to get blocked. Overall... Great defense by AD. That one-legged fade was a really hard shot. He'd almost hit it anyway. Draymond offensive rebound. Doesn't even look to go back up, of course. Gets it right back out to Steph. And on this one, he probably should have tried to get downhill. Maybe even tried to foul bait a bit. But look, he might have been tired. Took a really deep three. Great contest by AD. He missed two in a row. And the Lakers got the rebound. Both free throws were made by Lonnie Walker. And then on the last play... They ran a little hammer action for Clay. Draymond Green turned the corner. You knew he was never looking to go for the quick two, and that's a huge issue. Draymond not keeping the defense honest. The Lakers blew it up, and that was that. What a win for the Lakers. 104-101 to take a 3-1 lead in the series. Only 13 teams have ever come back from 3-1 down. The Warriors are one of them seven years ago against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I'm afraid this is the end of the road. The dynasty will be coming to an end, this version of it in my opinion, this season. This is it. The Lakers are really going to do this. It's a Warriors fan's nightmare. And maybe the sweet revenge for LeBron James. What a win for the Lakers. I'm honestly thoroughly impressed. I had Warriors in seven before the series, but I did say after game one, if I had to choose a switch, I would go with Lakers in six at that moment. And right now it's looking like that, but I'm not going to toot my own horn because I picked Warriors in seven and I'm sticking with it. They have to win three games in a row to do that. But it looks like the Lakers got this shit in the bag. 
Let's read the lines and talk about the team stats. Let's see if anything stands out. Both teams shot a pretty similar percentage. Warriors 46.5%, Lakers 45%. The three ball, Warriors shot 16 more threes than the Lakers. 41 for the Dubs, 25 for the Lakers. The Dubs shot 29% from three. So another bad shooting game from deep in LA. The Lakers not shooting well from deep at all, just 24%. Free throws, eight more for the Lakers. And listen to this statistic, 20 for 20 from the line. That is massive. That's the type of shit that wins playoff games. Warriors 9 for 12. Rebounding battle was close. Warriors uh, Lakers only won it by 2. Offensive rebounding battle, Warriors only won it by 1. The Warriors had 8 more assists than the Lakers. Only 1 more steal. Only 1 more block. Turnovers, 14 for the Lakers and 16 for the Warriors. Fast break points, only 3 more for the Warriors. Points in the paint, six more for the Warriors. The largest lead for the Dubs was 12. The largest lead for the Lakers was five. So not too much of a disparity. The most intriguing stat there was the free throws, 20 for 20 for the Lakers. And obviously the Warriors not shooting well from three for two straight games. That hurts. Live by the three, die by the three. Right now they're dying, and even Steph Curry wasn't making threes in this game. Whose line should I read first? I'm thinking Lakers first. Nah, Warriors. Kavon Looney, very quiet game. Just 11 minutes, 2 for 2 from the field. 4 points, 3 rebounds. He was a plus 7, which was actually the highest of any Warrior, but I think it's a really poor indicator of anything. Warriors fans, let me know if you think he should have played more. Jordan Poole played just 10 minutes, and honestly, it was 2 minutes too many. Just awful. Just awful. He had a good game in Game 1, and he's been dog shit in the other 3. And he didn't have a good series against Sacramento either. I I can't believe that this man averaged 17 points on 50% shooting and 38 from three last year. That's a huge reason why they're not looking like the same team. He had a donut and he was 0 for 4 and turned the ball over two times in just 10 minutes. DiVincenzo, I think it was a better game for him, but that turnover was just so bad. 10 points, 4 for 6 in the field, and 2 for 4 from 3. But if you're going to get 66% shooting and 50 from 3 from DiVincenzo, you're going to take that all day long. Moses Moody, I thought he was really good. 7 points on 3 for 3 shoot from the field, 1 for 1 from 3 in 19 minutes. The Warriors got 21 points off the bench. That's not much. The Lakers got 27, and that honestly was a big difference in the game. The starters... GP2 played the least amount of minutes, 23 minutes. Probably should have played more. 15 points on 7-for-9 shooting and 1-for-2 from deep. So, really good game scoring for GP2. Draymond Green. 8 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal and a block, 5 turnovers. So, almost 33% of the turnovers came from Draymond he was really solid in the first half to me, especially in that second quarter. But in the second half, he just wasn't looking at the basket anymore. I remember he shot one open three in the corner. It was a fine shot, and that was it. But just not good enough. Eight points. He's got to have 10-plus points. He's got to. 
Super chat's turned on. If you want to jump a dollar or a dime, we get a super chat from Bernardo Vivas coming to us from Brazil. He says, 1995 Rockets, defending champs, sixth seed, down 1-2 in the first round, down 3-1 in the second round. Just going to leave this here. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. Oh, by the way, Steph best player on the floor and not close. Great points. Great points. The 95 Rockets did come back from a 3-1 lead against the Suns in the second round of the 95 playoffs. We'll see if that happens. But Draymond Green, point blank, he has to be better offensively. How about Andrew Wiggins? I actually thought he was good, but they could really use him shooting a little bit better from three. 17 points, four boards for Wiggs, two steals on six for 14 shooting and two for six from three in 39 minutes. Really good defense from Wiggins. If there's anyone I'd want to guard LeBron, he'd be the guy probably in the league today. I thought he was the second best player for the Warriors. Clay Thompson, two really bad games here in Los Angeles. Nine points, five rebounds on three for 11 shooting and just three for nine from deep. Really bad decisions and played bad defense as well. It's just been a tough series for Clay, and they're going to need much better from him. How about Steph Curry? What a performance. He could not close, though. 31 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, and only two turnovers on 12 for 30 shooting, but 3 for 14 from 3. I don't know who the best player on the floor was tonight. I think it was Steph. I think it was Steph because AD kind of disappeared in the second half offensively. But you can't attack AD defensively. Actually, you can. That's what they did. So, never mind. Um, it's because they're scared of AD, though. It's not the same with Curry. With Curry, they're trying to attack him. They think he's the weakest on-ball defender. AD, they're just trying to pull him away from the paint because he's blocking everything. But Curry was the best player on the floor tonight, in my opinion. It just felt like the Lakers had two stars and the Warriors had one. And here's one thing I'll say, too. Curry leaning into the heavy high pick and roll is part of why he got gassed. And this is the argument that's never ending. You can spam it every play like you want, but he didn't have legs on some of those shots at the end, it seemed. Whether he didn't want to take Anthony Davis to the rim because he thought he was going to get blocked or he just didn't have the legs, he had to do too much. If The thing is, though, if he plays off the ball, can you trust those other guys the way they were playing? The answer is probably no. So the moral of the story is, Steph needed better from his supporting cast. And I know, look, LeBron stands going to have a field day with that because it's what they were saying back in 2018 and whatnot. So I'm going to leave the stands to do their own bullshit. I'm just talking talk about it from a team perspective. Steph Curry was great, but when you play that way and they're also attacking you defensively the entire fourth quarter, it's going to be hard to close the game. And when you play a heliocentric style, it's harder for other guys to make big shots for you because they haven't touched the ball in a while. It's a rhythm thing. And Klay Thompson, if anything, the motion offense helps him more than anybody. So I'm not giving Klay a pass. I'm not. He still should have made shots. Doesn't matter how many touches he has. He's infamous for having big games and hitting big shots with few touches and few dribbles. But it still matters. And I'm not blaming Steph for that. He did what he had to do. I'm just saying it's hard. You see it with Luka, with LeBron, with Harden throughout history. When you have to do too much and you choose to do too much, it is going to be hard. You have to close. If you don't close, don't expect others to close for you when they're out of rhythm. 
Does Kerr adjust, go more motion again? I don't know. I honestly think not because Steph was still creating tons of great looks in the pick and roll. Other guys need to hit shots. Fact of the matter is, whether it's motion or Steph Curry on the ball, other guys need to hit shots. I see people talking about they went away from it. You think they can really do it every play? Stan Van Gundy says that, but I don't think he, any. it's hard for anyone, even prime LeBron, every single play. Steph Curry was willingly giving the ball up some plays. That's because he understands he can't just do it every play. He needs some place to rest. He's getting attacked on defense with LeBron going into his chest. Do you know how tiring all this shit is? Seriously. As great of stamina as he has, he's human too. But anyway, that's what I have to say about the Warriors. I think they're pretty cooked, man. They need a vintage performance from their big three. I think they win game five. Do they win game six? I don't think so. And I think the reason is... They don't have as good of a supporting cast as last year. Jordan Poole is a huge reason why Klay Thompson is not playing big. And honestly, you've got to give a lot of credit to the Lakers. Let's go to the Lakers, the stat lines. Winyan Gabriel, just two minutes, a donut, didn't get a shot off. Rui Hachimura, two points in 14 minutes, just one shot attempt and missed it. Jared Vanderbilt, no good. This is not really his series. Two points on 0 for 1 from the field in 11 minutes. D'Angelo Russell. Four points, four rebounds, three assists, one for 10 from the field. 0 for 4 from 3. So after a couple of good games, just did not have it at all. Dennis Schroeder. 10 points, three rebounds, three assists, five for 9 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. He was hitting his mid-range. He did have the highest plus minus again of any Laker, plus 14. But he was making some boneheaded plays down the stretch. A couple times where LeBron was trying to do what Steph did and take a break offensively for a sec because he was gassed. Gave it up to Dennis Schroeder. He had this one behind the back pass at one point where I was like, dude, you think you're fucking Steve Nash? But it's still a good performance overall from Dennis. Austin Reeves. Best game of the series for him in my opinion. 21 points, 7 for 15 from the field, 3 for 6 from deep, made really big shots, timely shots in the mid-range from deep, got to the line a bit, 4 of 4 from the line, and solid defense. Lonnie Walker, though, he was the man. He came up big, 15 points, 6 for 9 from the field, 1 for 3 from deep. Such a solid showing from Lonnie in that fourth. And then LeBron, Really good game from him. Who is your player of the game, Laker Nation? I will ask you. LeBron had 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. Very up and down game for LeBron, but he did enough to win. And it was the intangible things. 10 for 25. He knew how important this game was. He knew it. Only shot 40%, 2 for 9 from deep, but made huge free throws and big defensive plays. How about Anthony Davis? 23 points, 15 rebounds, 3 steals, didn't have a block tonight. 10 for 16 from the field, didn't settle for any threes. 3 for 3 from the line, and the big two defensive stops on Steph Curry. Look, man, I'm really impressed with the Lakers. The fact that they're up 3-1, they may be the team that actually knocks out the champs. I'm not going to lie, I'm a little sick. I'm a little sick. Like It's not that I hate the Lakers or anything like that, but as a Clipper fan, like, this was supposed to be our year that we were going to be going all the way. And now again, the Lakers have the last laugh. It's the story of my life. At this point, I got 72 people in my life from all over the world right now. So I'm not really losing anymore. 
I'm finding a way to make the best out of it because, as you know, some Clipper fans like to say, you can only control what you can control. And it is tough to see this, I'm not going to lie. And no offense, Laker fans, just because LeBron's cult, I want Denver, who has no rings, to beat you. I do. If it's Phoenix, though, ugh. I don't want it Lakers-Celtics, guys. I really don't. That's like Bin Laden versus Hitler at this point. Like, I just don't... I'm obviously exaggerating. But the point is, I don't want the rich to get richer. Give me a team like Miami or fucking New York, who's not going to win the championship. And it's a good segue, by the way. Or freaking uh, Denver to win the championship. But anyway, I said before this uh, playoffs that I think the Lakers can go to the finals. I don't think they can win the championship. You know what? I'm going to stick by that take. But right now they can win the championship because the Celtics don't look insane either. But let's move on. So, by the way, series is not over. I wouldn't count the dubs out, by the way. You don't count out the, the dubs. You don't. But let's talk about the Knicks. Must win game tonight in Miami. Julius Randle, he doesn't seem to just quite get it. He takes such reckless shots. He has no understanding of situation. He makes the game so much harder for himself. Now, I did like his aggression. When he got smaller defenders on him, many times he tried to go to the rim, tried to go into defender's chest, tried to get into that mid-range area and fall away. But overall, his decisions, his turnovers are so casual, and his body language after he commits a turnover, like for example, in the first quarter, he handed the ball off to Brunson, and it was such a lazy little bounce pass, stolen, and he didn't even get back on D. And it was just uh, egregious. And immediately you could see Tibbs' strategy defensively, double-team Jimmy Butler, make anybody but Jimmy beat you, anybody, blitz him on pick and rolls, anyone but Jimmy, you saw Gabe Vincent get a bunch of open shots early, and he didn't hit him. Max Struess was getting open shots. Kevin Love was getting open shots. But Kevin Love was actually making them. And Kevin fucking Love with his freaking outlet passes. Oh, my God. Can't believe the way he's been playing in these playoffs. Score after the first quarter was 31-30 in favor of the Heat. They started out the better side, but the Knicks kind of closed that gap to end the first. Second quarter, though, the Knicks offense was just putrid. 18-25, they lost that one. And I'm not going to lie, there was a weird thing with my cable box tonight. So I missed the entire second quarter. So I'm apologies to all Knicks and Heat fans. I didn't get to watch it. But the Heat went to the half up 56-48. to 48. Knicks are still in striking distance. And I saw Jalen Brunson, a lot of him trying to be the, you know, the ball handler and pick and roll. And he was hitting big time shots. I mean, every time it felt like they just needed something to just stay in the game, Brunson seemed to hit a shot from mid-range. He didn't really have his three ball going that much, just two for seven from deep. And R.J. Barrett wasn't bad either. He got to the basket a couple of times and was fairly aggressive. Um, Randall was also efficient, but struggled with foul trouble, offensive fouls, turnovers. But mainly, again, it was that heat bench making the difference, the supporting cast. You know, the Knicks are going to let other guys beat them, and these other guys are beating them. I've never seen anything like this before, where a supporting cast just turns up like this in the playoffs. You know, heat culture is a real thing, man. Spo does a great job getting the most out of every player. Like, for example, Gabe Vincent. You know, how many players from UCSB are in the NBA? Ever. They, he finds a role for these guys. Now, Gabe Vincent in this game, he was one for seven. Not the best game to use his, him as an example. But like Max Struess, another great game. Kyle Lowry. Everybody was saying he was done. 
He had a terrible playoffs last year. Looked injured. This regular season, he had bad moments. He's been phenomenal in these playoffs. Great in the pick and roll. Showing his experience. Showing his poise. Playing good defense. How about Kevin Love? Looking like fucking Aaron Rodgers out there. What is going on here? I can't believe what I'm seeing. You know, the Heat are an eighth seed. I get it. You know, they could be the first team since the 99 Knicks to make the finals as an eighth seed. But they were the seventh seed, I do want to say. And they were in the race to get the sixth seed until late in the season. So they are more of a seventh seed than an eighth seed to me. But, you know, it's still being picky. Regardless, it's still remarkable what they're doing. And it's led by Jimmy Butler. Like, the fact of the matter is they have the best player in this series. And I had that moment. You know, there's a moment in every series to me when you can feel that one team is better. And when it, it's just game after game, you see the role players from Miami playing better than the Knicks ones, and you just don't fear the Knicks role players making their open threes like you fear the Heat's role players making open threes. You just And they have the best player in the series. And they're the smarter team. You just know that they're the better team. Like, I just realized that today. They're just the better team. The Knicks just don't have the basketball IQ. And I think Julius Randle really hurts that. I think you needed some quickly tonight. It was unfortunate that he didn't play. And the Knicks bench just didn't give him anything. Even Josh Hart, who's been really good in these playoffs, four points on two for six shooting, 0 for two from three. The Knicks bench had a combined 10 points. Caleb Martin had 10 points by himself. Kyle Lowry was so good in the pick and roll, so good making things happen. And the Knicks just kind of hung around. The Heat outscored them 34-33 going into the fourth. It was a nine-point game, and that's when everything just came crashing down for New York. There was a stretch where Miami really couldn't score, and the Knicks couldn't capitalize. And it's so funny because it was the exact advantage that we thought the Knicks would have going into this series, the offensive glass. Remember, we saw the Heat get pulverized on the glass by Atlanta in that playing game. The Knicks killed the Cavs. They showed this toughness, this grit. The Heat were the first to every loose ball, multiple offensive rebounds. Barrett, Randall, Brunson, all these guys just getting beat on the glass. Are you the team that's down 2-1? Or are you up 2-1? They were, I mean, and for Randall after the game to say maybe they just wanted it more and be serious about it, not even sarcastic? Man, if I were a Knicks fan... I would be fucking fuming at that. Honestly, it would be enough for me to say I don't want Julius Randle on this team anymore. Because for all the great things he does, and look, I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm not here to say that. But I don't think you're going to win a championship with him, one. I think Jalen Brunson honestly has a chance to be a number two on a championship team. He's a smart player. I thought he was really good. The best player on the floor for the Knicks in this one. But Randle, despite his efficient shooting game, you know, 20 points, nine rebounds, he had six turnovers and fouled out with three minutes left. He takes horrendous shots at the worst times. He posts up way too high. He catches the ball way too high. He's an offensive foul threat all the time because he wants to play face up instead of post up a lot. And he just does too much. I don't like Randle as the initiator in like pick and rolls. Like, I just don't think that's good basketball. But whatever. And Mitchell Robinson doesn't look like the same assertive player on the glass that we saw him look like against Cleveland. Credit Bam Adebayo. He's outplaying him. But you also got to credit Spo. Jimmy Butler's been so lethal in drop coverage and he torched Milwaukee so bad that they're blitzing him on the pick and roll. And you know what's happening? The backside of the Knicks defense 
is having trouble rotating on the Bam, having trouble boxing out Bam. Because think about it. Mitchell Robinson gets pulled away from the paint. Besides Randall, you have wings trying to box out these other Heat players. And part of it, though, is just effort. Like, Caleb Martin is not super tall, but he's going up so high for these rebounds. And they're also making shots. So let's look at the offensive rebound disparity. That's what won him the game. No rebounds, no rings. And it's very fitting that Pat Riley, the president of basketball operations for the Heat, is the one that coined that. And I use it and will take that shit to my grave. No rebounds, no rings. That was the case in the Cavs series, and that's the case for the Knicks getting a taste of their own medicine, so much so that they will be knocked out of the playoffs because of it. 13-8 in favor of the Heat. Look, experience is a part of this as well. When you have the best player in the series, you have a big advantage, but the role players are also playing better, and that's been huge. Let's read the lines. For the Knicks, they also turned the ball over, let's see, 16 times. And that's not great, especially when the Heat only turned the ball. Well, 13 turnovers isn't great either, but the Heat had 22 points off their turnovers. It was just, you know, it's been a very physical series, a slow it down kind of pace, but they were playing with a faster pace, both teams, in this one. The bench for the Knicks, four minutes for Deuce McBride, a donut. 0 for 2. 6 minutes for Obi Toppin, who didn't play well in Game 3. 4 points, 2 of 4. 0 for 2 from 3. Hartenstein, very quiet. I thought he had a good first half, I heard. But I didn't notice much in the second half. Just 2 points on 0 for 1 shooting. Josh Hart, very quiet. 0 for 2 from 3. 2 for 6 on the field. Only played 22 minutes. Knicks fans, let me know if you think he should have played more. But the Knicks shot 49% from the field, so pretty good. But 32% from three, nine for 28, and they're about 35% on the season. They're just not a good three-point shooting team. So one thing for the Knicks this offseason, got to get more three-point shooters. And guys like Quinton Grimes have to keep improving that three-point shot. R.J. Barrett has to improve that three-point shot. Julius Randle, I would move on from him if I were the Knicks and try to get something because he is a good player. Mitchell Robinson, 33 minutes played, 6 points and 7 rebounds. Four of those were offensive rebounds, so he didn't do a good job on the defensive glass. Part of it's because he's getting sucked out of the paint with Jimmy Butler in that pick and roll. 3 of 5 for him, not a good performance for me. And then Quinton Grimes, 42 minutes, got 20 more minutes than Josh Hart. 9 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. I thought he did a decent job on Jimmy, but man, anytime Jimmy's one-on-one, he's getting to the rim. Like, it's crazy. It's amazing the attention that he's garnering. He's getting the Heat players open shots every time. He's moving without the ball. He's posting up. It's just such a crazy difference from 2021 where the Bucks were going underneath every single screen, daring him to shoot, and he did not look confident scoring at all. It's amazing how different he's become in these two peak years he's had this year and last. But Grimes, 3-for-8 from the field, 3-for-7 from deep. R.J. Barrett. 35 minutes played. Actually a pretty solid bounce back game from him. 24 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Knicks fans, let me know how you think he played. 9 for 16 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. Again, I missed the second quarter and the half of the third, so it's hard for me to evaluate defense for players as a whole. Julius Randle. 20 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. 6 turnovers. Also fouled out with 3 minutes to play. He was 8 for 13 from the field, 1 for 4 from deep. And then Jalen Brunson, 32 points, 4 rebounds, 11 dimes, 
on 10 for 21 shooting, 2 for 7 from 3, only one turnover. I thought he was awesome. Nobody besides Mitchell Robinson was in the plus for a plus minus for the Knicks. Don't think that says much. The Knicks only scored 20 points in the fourth. The Knicks only, I mean, the Heat only scored 19, but as I said, they just couldn't take advantage. Two quarters where they scored 20 points or less for New York. Their offense, clearly a bigger problem than their defense. You need better from the role players knocking down shots. They need a game where they can actually hit threes, and they're going to need quickly. Maybe even play Fournier or Rose. I don't know. The Heat went 10 deep. Cody Zeller played eight minutes. He had a good game three, but just two points in this one on one for two shooting. Haywood Highsmith, six minutes, two points, one for one shooting. Duncan Robinson came in for 11 minutes and just chucked up shots and missed them. Three points on one for eight shooting and one for seven from three. But the seven guys that did play for real, the starters, and then Lowry and Caleb Martin, just phenomenal. Gabe Vincent, to me, wasn't great. Heat fans, if he was playing better defense than I was giving him credit for, let me know. I think he was. The Heat's defense has been really impressive, I have to say. The Knicks aren't world beaters offensively, but the way they've been able to switch a lot and just hold their own in man-to-man and also just attack closeouts and just stick to the game plan. High IQ team, Miami. High IQ, and part of that's the coach. Top three coach in the league for me, Eric Spolstra. Top 20 coach of all time as well. I know he's voted in the top 15, but I'd have to really think about that. He probably is in there, but we'll see. Maybe I'll make a list one day in a video about it. Gabe Vincent, three points, five dimes, one for seven from the field, one for five from three. So just not the best shooting game from Gabe Vincent. Kevin Love. I'm so impressed with Kevin Love. Eight points, five boards, two assists, just amazing outlet passes, zero turnovers, shot 50%, three for six, and two of five from three. He'll take that all day in 23 minutes of play. And then Caleb Martin. His athleticism, his effort, him attacking the offensive glass, him defending, his physicality. It's been so good in these playoffs for Miami. It's been just phenomenal. Ten points and five boards. Three of those were offensive rebounds, keeping possessions alive. Shot 50% from the field and 40 from three. Four for eight and two for five from deep. Amazing game from Caleb Martin. How about Kyle Lowry, who shot 66% from the field and 50% from deep? 15 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 0 turnovers. He continues to look like prime Kyle Lowry. It's He adds to the collective IQ of the team. The Knicks are just outsmarted by the Heat in many ways and outexperienced. The Knicks have a good future, but as I said, Randall, I'm not rolling with him. Max Struess, another fantastic game. 16.6 boards, 2 assists, a steal, and a block. He's had a really good playoffs. He had the highest plus-minus of any Miami Heat player with a plus-8. 6 for 13 from the field and 4 for 10 from 3. Just amazing from him. Both teams shot around 75% from the line. The Knicks shot 75%, 18 for 24. The Heat shot 73%, 16 for 22. And mind you, the Heat barely shot better from 3 than the Knicks. 13 for 39, just 33%. They haven't been fantastic from three in the series either. And 47% from the field. So the shooting splits are very similar. But they got 85 shots off. The Knicks got 76 shots off. That's Those are those effort, extra effort plays. Who wants it more? It's embarrassing from New York, quite frankly. It's unacceptable. And you got a really passionate fan base behind you. And you should know what's at stake. 
I, I would be very disappointed in the Knicks. How about the Stars? Bam added a Bayou. His best game of the series for me. Really good. Dominated Robinson. 23 points, 13 rebounds, some really good defense. He had three offensive rebounds, 10 for 17 from the field, hit a big mid-range late in the game, and he was keeping the defense honest, looking to be more aggressive. I love when he does that. No three-point attempts, but he doesn't really shoot threes. Three of five from the line, so you'd like to see him you know, make one more there. But really good game from Bam in 38 minutes. And then the main man, yet again for me, the player of the game. Let me know if you think it was Bam, Heat fans, or anyone that watched the game. But 27 points, 6 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. 9 for 17 from the field. Only 3 three-point attempts. So again, showing you cocksuckers that it's not just about shooting threes in this NBA. You can still dominate. MJ wouldn't be that great because you couldn't shoot threes like that. Suck my dick, dude. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Jimmy Butler was amazing. 27, 6, and 10. 9 for 17 in 42 minutes. 8 for 9 from the line. He continues to be, for me, the best player in this postseason. Top 10 player in the league. The Heat got this. It's a wrap. I don't know if it's ending in 5. The Heat are going to win in 6, though. And so are the Lakers. That's it for me tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Let me know what you thought of the live. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to jump a dollar a dime. We will be live on Tuesday talking about Suns Nuggets games 4 and 5 because I have to talk about game 4. So much controversy. And Philly-Boston game 5. Looking forward to it. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Peace.